Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Privilege is occupying more space than is reasonably allotted for one person. I think it didn't hit me until I was much older and I was like, wait, I'm not asking for more pay for a job because that's what someone told me to do. It's because I do think I deserve double what you offered. And it's not scary because what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to say no. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is a show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. On today's show, we're featuring a recent talk our longtime friend of the pod and resident funny Indian, Rajiv Satyal, recently had with Misha Youssef, the Pakistani-American writer, podcast host, and producer. It's a great conversation on identity and belonging. Misha Youssef is the founder and CEO of Dustlight Productions, the critically acclaimed podcast studio that has worked with many top brands, journalists, and most notably, podcasts with Spotify, Bruce Springsteen, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Rolling Stone, Subaru, REI, and many more. Basically, Misha and her entire team at Dustlight make mission-driven podcasts for and with awesome people, but they also train those who want to push the boundaries of audio and tell beautiful stories. In a word, Misha is podcast. Now, beyond being the funny Indian, Rajiv actually hosts his own talk show, What Do You Bring to the Table?, where he spotlights prominent South Asian voices making big strides in America and around the world. Rajiv has spoken with Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, comedian Hassan Minaj, author Deepak Chopra, influencer Lily Singh, journalist Manu Raju, TV personality Tan France, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and many more. You can see lots more of Rajiv's video conversations at watchrajiv.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Rajiv is honestly a great and funny conversationalist. But back to today's guest, Misha Youssef, who Rajiv sat down with last summer for a conversation on identity and belonging. Beyond being one of the preeminent podcasters around, Misha is also frequently featured on IGTV, McSweeney's, and The Wall Street Journal. Misha is an important voice for today's time, speaking on storytelling, identity, and ethical entrepreneurship. She's also the creator and host of the podcast, Tell Them I Am, a series about the small defining moments in our lives where the voices are all Muslim, but the stories are universal. The LA Times called Misha's podcast quietly revolutionary, and the New York Times called it hypnotic listening. Time, The Atlantic, Esquire, Cosmopolitan, The Huffington Post, and many more have named it among their best podcasts. Misha got her master's in journalism at Northwestern University, has taught as an adjunct professor at USC Annenberg and the Transom Radio Workshop. She got her start in podcasting in 2017 when the entire medium began to blow up into what we know it is today. And Misha is also the author of the online guide, How to Make a Podcast, which has been a personal and professional source of truth for myself and countless others in the podcasting space. So basically, Misha is a fascinating modern voice, and I found Rajiv's conversation with her so interesting that we wanted to feature it on this podcast for you, our Modern Minorities listener. Who knows? 
Maybe we'll get our own chance to talk with Misha someday. Misha, call us. But in the meantime, this is the next best thing. So thanks to our friend of the pod, Rajiv, for hooking us up. Now, one more thing to note. On Rajiv's streaming show, What Do You Bring to the Table? He also actually plays games with his guests during part of the conversation. So in the latter half of the episode, Misha and Rajiv are playing ping pong while talking. We thought about editing that part out, but the conversation goes to a really powerful place. So be sure you stick around and listen through all the ping and the ponging. So let's get right to it. We hope you'll enjoy Rajiv's What Do You Bring to the Table conversation with podcaster Misha Youssef. Misha, great to meet you. This is so fun. Sure, we're rolling yeah. audio the whole time, so you oh, know. Great. I don't know if you know anything about podcasting, but you know. Yeah, I don't this know. Thing out I've about. done it before. I know. I'll explain how that is. Yeah, please, please, man. About mansplaining podcasting, yeah. we'll get talking about mansplaining. I'm, I'm very opinionated about a lot of things. Oh, so. are you? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on mansplaining? I think you can only mansplain if it's like if I were explaining podcasting to you. That's yeah. mansplaining because you know more about podcasting yeah, than I do. Yeah, because I'm an expert. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. if I were explaining to you like. How I built this booth. That's not mansplaining. Because you, unless you're a professional. That's your booth. expertise. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Exactly. Because yeah. otherwise, but every I single think... time a professor is speaking in class and he's male, then he's mansplaining. Then he's mansplaining. But I think the assumption is that men often don't know what the woman's expertise is. And they don't and care so to find if, out. And they don't care. To, so they don't ask, mm-hmm. like, hey, are you by any chance the a, booth a professional building? booth builder? Yeah. Excerpt. <laughs> And, and they just like, like launch into yeah, like, it. Yeah, like let me let me tell you how yeah. this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is most men most of the time. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would say as a member <laughs> of the species, sadly. Yeah, Are as an species? observer of the species, I would yes. I would tend to agree definitely. No, so let me ask you a very obvious question. So yes. you get asked about this a lot. The tattoo? No, I actually don't. A lot of people assume that it's a treble club. Oh, I yeah. knew it wasn't because I played the viola growing up. So I knew it yeah. wasn't a trouble. When people class. assume I make judgments about them, I'm like, you don't know shit about music. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll, just from yeah. far away, you are just looking at this. You're and just you're like, looking oh, at it, it going. Be. It's a trouble. Yeah, class, I've but had it's people not. say like, oh wow, music must be really important to you, and I'm like, why? Yeah, why they, you they, that yeah. Well, I don't want to mansplain it, yeah. but the reason is, I, this is what I'm getting out of it. That's hilarious. No, this is actually from the Quran. It's Alif Lam Mim. So it's three random letters that appear at the beginning of a lot of surahs. Oh. And a lot of people have a lot of different theories about what they mean, but no one really knows. What's your theory? Arabic poets at the time used to say random letters before they would launch into, like, poetry. Oh, like they're warming up? Yeah, it would be like, or, like, just a signal that, like, now I'm transitioning from just prose or, like, just talking to you. Okay. To, like, I'm starting the poem or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. like ginger before sushi, you know? Exactly like that. Exactly, yeah. Exactly like that. So that's what I think it is. I think it's a signaling that, like, all of the Quran is poetry, which is an interesting and controversial opinion to have. Oh, is it? Is that Oh, because there's a whole surah in the Quran that says it's not poetry. Oh, so then it's not. But it is poetry. It's poetry, but it's not just poetry. So it's an enigma wrapped mm-hmm. in a riddle. Mm-hmm. And you've read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think I heard I heard you talk about this on NPR, maybe it was? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Ramadan, not Ramadan. I heard it. I yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying to bring it back. I'm trying I, to bring yeah, the funny way of saying it. That's, way, that's for you, way back. What if you said happy Ramadan to someone who says Ramadan, though, like a Persian person? They wouldn't be offended. So Persian people actually say Ramadan. They say Ramadan. Yeah, and in, and in Urdu it comes from Farsi because right. we have a little bit more... Persian influence than we do Arab influence. True. Oh, yeah, right. And that Arab influence is very recent. So if I were to say happy or, you know, Ramadan Mubarak or whatever, Mubarak, sure. and they said Ramadan Mubarak, like, I don't care. Just okay. let me say it the way I want to say it. Sure. Don't tell me there's a correct way of saying it. Right. You know? Right. It, well, it's not happy Hanukkah. <laughs> it's definitely, that's definitely not the way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hanukkah Mubarak. Yeah. Also, yeah. like Ramzan is like only so happy because you're basically yeah. starving the entire month. Yeah. So it's like what kind of... Actually, Eid Mubarak. Eid That's Mubarak true. is That's real. That's true yeah. Mubarak. That's true happiness. Yeah. But then people have started saying Ramzan Kareem, which I'm also not super comfortable with because that's also okay. like a made up thing that's very recent. What does that you know? mean? I'm not quite sure what it means. Like oh, linguistically, okay. it doesn't really mean much. It's like peaceful Ramzan or like blessed Ramzan or like, okay. I don't know how to explain it because it's not, it doesn't, you, you wouldn't how, say you that. You don't know how to explain it? I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, what counts as explaining? And is I it different if you're can. a white woman versus if you're a woman of color? Oh my gosh, that's too good. And then do you live out here? Yeah. Okay, you've been I, here for a while? I, yeah, I mean, I grew up in, in Pakistan until I was 11. I was really little, but not so little that I don't remember. I have a whole theory. I think 12 is the cutoff when it comes to whether or not you'll be able to get rid of your accent. That's a really interesting... Is this a theory have, or a hypothesis? It's a... Well, it's almost a theory. Like, I have a very small sample size. Okay. It needs to be tested on a larger group of people. Okay. But my sample size is basically, like, friends and family friends and cousins. And okay. I have cousins who've moved here who were like 12 or 13 or 14. And they still have the and accent. And they still have the accent. And then I have, well, but then, you know, I have one like counterexample of a friend who doesn't really have an accent, mm-hmm. but one could argue he has an accent. Oh, is that know? debatable? I mean, I guess maybe certain words. Like certain words okay. come out weird or like he'll slip into it in different yeah. situations pretty easily. Well, you mentioned you dream in English now. I do dream in so, English. So Azar Usman, a good friend of mine, we toured India together. He has a theory that like when you start, well, I think we sort of came up with it together, but he had the real yeah. insight, which was my parents, they're here actually. And they, so they still fight in Hindi. With each other. Yeah. yeah. So they'll, they'll talk in English all the time. Yeah. They'll fight in Hindi, but then you'll, they'll still do math in Hindi. <laughs> so your parents doing math in Hindi is like next yeah. level to me. They, they That's do. Impressive. Yeah, especially my dad. He is. He. he will Why is he doing him so him. much math? I don't know. I think just being brown. He just. What is he calculating? Station. I don't. Number of <laughs> seconds he and my mom have been in a fight. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of seconds. But then dreaming in Hindi. So yeah. like they don't. They dream in English now. They've been here for fifty years. But Azra always said that was like the last step where yeah. you really shed your old language. So mm. when you said you dreamed in. English. I was like, yeah. oh, then you are fully an English yeah. speaker. I know. It's kind of sad. But you still speak Urdu. I do fluently. Yeah. 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 And you said that other thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's I right. I feel very proud of it. Yeah, you do. Well, yeah. you should be. I don't speak another language. If I did, I'd get a tattoo. Yeah. I mean, this is Arabic. So. It is Arabic. So, but you don't, wrong language. Right. And you don't, you don't speak Arabic. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I wish I could. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, that's, I think Azra speaks like five languages. I speak nothing. I speak English, but that's it. Yeah. But I speak it Have you ever well. tried to learn nothing? That is a good question because you're a professional. You're like, you are podcasts. <laughs> that is really funny to me because I am in a perpetual battle with my siblings. Okay. Who have a problem with my Instagram distinction. That it just says reads podcast. podcast. It says Misha uses podcast. And it, it, to me, it read like a verb. Like you're telling <laughs> people the podcast. I read it and I was like, it just says podcast. And I'm like, Okay, is she telling me to podcast? Yeah, I think that they read it as a noun and they're like, this is a category. And mm-hmm. are you a podcast or are you a person? And I was like, dude, they don't give me any options. It doesn't, I can't say podcast producer. I can't say podcast host. It just, the only category in podcast is podcast. So, so I, you're a podcast. I'm a podcast. I am podcast. It's like what Salvador Dali said, right? Like, I don't do drugs. I am drugs. <laughs> 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. Mitch Hedberg, the comedian, once said, <laughs> I used to do a lot of drugs. I still do, but I used to too. It <laughs> <laughs> kills me. That is one of the greatest lives. Rest <laughs> in peace, Mitch Hedberg. So I didn't know Salvador Dali said that. He is. I mean, he might not have. He might not. He might have written. Yeah. Gandhi technically never said, be the change you wish to see in the world. Oh, didn't he? It was, he was being quoted or something. <laughs> or somebody was summing it up. But he, it was like a question-answer thing, and they sort of felt yeah. like it played better if they attributed it to him. Yeah. How do you feel about that? The fake attribution? Yeah. I mean, I think no quote is really... Like, I had a pretty big crisis of conscience because there were things being quoted from the podcast from Tell Them I Am. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I didn't actually write that line. Oh. Like, that line was, like, by, you know, our creative director or our editor or sometimes the executive producer because we're all in the script. And they're mm-hmm. all given they're all, written, they're all podcast. They're all podcast. <laughs> they're given writing credit in right. the credits of every episode, which is unusual in podcasts, by the way, to get huh. writing credits if you're not the host. Yeah. But I felt that was important. That was your decision? That was my decision. Oh, wow. You're quite generous. I know. Look at you. It's just incredible. Sharing yeah, the wealth. Just, <laughs> I'm telling you. It's just basic equity, you know? But I did that. And then, you know, you're still being quoted because you're the person saying the line. Sure. And so I was like, do I like retweet this? And because if I retweet it, it seems like I have said it. And that right. feels kind of weird. Well, do you say it out loud before you tweet it? Like you actually physically said it? <laughs> I mean, I did say it in the podcast. Right. I said According to them. Yeah. It sounded like it came out of me. Do they get upset with your executive producer be like, dude, I said that? No. No, you're we had team. a whole conversation about okay. it. Yeah. And they okay. were like, no, we're totally fine with it. Like when okay. we're helping you write, like that's the assumption that at some point it'll be quoted or whatever. Right. But it's still, you just feel like, oh, I didn't, if you remember that you didn't say it, yeah. you know, or you didn't write it. Like I didn't it say feels, that. And it's the sentiment that was coming from me. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, we're in a group, and I'm saying something, and they kind of write it down in their own way. Okay. And the way they said it is better than the way I said it out loud, you yeah. know? So we picked that way of saying it. How do you, have you had anyone write comedy lines I, for you? I, I'm fully formed. I woke up like <laughs> this, so everything I say the first time is 100% eight them perfect. Yeah. I can't miss. Yeah, so and no, no one has ever helped you. Can't you can't improve perfection. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way it is. You're so low. I don't know how to, yeah, I don't know how to not be perfect. Wow. That's really it. I'm envious. Uh, yeah. Deeply. One should be. I don't know how I feel about that. That's yeah. why I have this up here. Good artist borrow, great artist steal, Reggie yeah. Spiel. <laughs> why not? Why not? That's a perfect, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there are people who, if, if you can wordsmith it, if you're getting it out to a wider audience, yeah. that's what they say when you're learning lines and acting. Dialogue is just, it's not what people say, it's what people remember you say. Mm. Right, so if you're telling a story, you probably yeah. didn't say all the ums and all the likes. You just said, oh, and then she said this. But she probably didn't actually say that. That's why yeah. you remembered it. Yeah. So I think it's fine. And that's an interesting exercise because half of my job is cutting out everyone's ums and likes, you know? Do you use software to do that? Uh, like, yes. I mean, like Pro Tools? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I've seen those where you can actually chop it and then it redoes the audio. Oh, yeah. That's insane. But it's, it's manual. Like, I'm not doing anything automated. So it's like, I'm literally going in there and being like, um, yeah. cut, yeah. delete, you know, and then smush it back together. And then together. it smushes back together yeah. and then they say that. Yeah. And I've only like- been recently exposed to that. And so this is old news. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. yeah. This, is, this, is, this is from like the tape cutting days where they used to take tape and like mm-hmm. chop it up and they'd be like, um, throw that away, smush it together. Right. Like literally physically. Literally you know? physically. And now they do that, but it's just you can just it's hit delete. It's on a computer, yeah. It's crazy. My dream. Computers these days. I know. <laughs> Still not far enough. My dream is like one day it'll be like on a wall and I'll just be able to be like, 
cut, take it out, throw that it away. That would be incredible. You like know? visually do it. Yeah. We're, we're living tactile. in the, I know, we're living in the 1900s. Stone ages, yeah. yeah. <laughs> same that's, thing. <laughs> the, the same thing, that, that's totally the same thing. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about attribution. So we we, we covered that one yeah. think, pretty well, which is good. Yeah, so no one has ever written lines for you? Oh, just generally? Yeah. No, I mean, not for stand-up or... I mean, for acting, obviously, mm -hmm. I would take a script and, you know, yeah. for all the, you know, the commercials I've done, the, the high level of acting that I've done yeah. in my life. Yeah. Would you want to have a team that's, like, helping write your jokes ever? I've been offered that. People have sent me jokes that they want me to do. And because yeah. uh, Seth Godin, I don't know if you know who he is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... When I interviewed him, he did say, he's like, you know, it is kind of dumb not to have a team of writers. Yeah. And I go, well, why do you, why do you think? Because I think if you don't have a room of people that can <clears throat> reflect your ideas back to you, then you don't actually know how they're going to play out, mm -hmm. out in the real world, mm -hmm. right? Like, you need a sounding board, and I think having a group of people assures that you don't have, like, an echo chamber. I mean, I guess you could be such an egomaniac that you've assembled a writer's room full of, you know, Your little clones of yeah, little, little use. Minions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, yes, Haji. You know? <laughs> I love how this, this show took about five minutes before it became about me. That book really happened fast. I'm supposed to talk about the guest. Yeah, I would yeah. spend most of the time on me. I'd, I'd be happy. So what happens that. when you interview an interviewer? Yeah, I know you flip the script. <laughs> quite literally, quite literally, flip the script on me. That was pretty good. That was that was well done. So getting back to this notion of podcast, if yeah. you had to sum yourself up in one word, do you think of yourself as a podcaster or a storyteller? <laughs> I think I'm a writer first. Oh, I'm a writer first, and then my medium of choice or my first love as a medium is podcasting. Okay. But I can see that writing kind of translating into, you know, writing nonfiction or writing fiction or writing humor. Like mm -hmm. I've done different, I'm writing op-eds or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think podcasting for me has just been really fun because it's something that has developed as I have like grown in my career. So mm -hmm. from my, the beginning of my professional life was the beginning of the industry, oh. which is kind of a unique position to be in, you know? What year is that? Some people would say 2013, some people would say 2014. Say. I was going to say 2013. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like Serial. When mm -hmm. Serial came out, I think 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. um, so about a year, year and a half before that, when This American Life started to put out their show in podcast form on your iPhone. Mm -hmm. And Apple decided to make the podcast app permanent to your phone so you can't oh. delete it. Right. And I think those like things kind of all coincided. Because you have a theory that if you came here after the age of 12, yeah. you still have your accent, native accent? Yeah, so I developed this theory based on myself. <laughs> I like that. That's a good place to start. Sample size of one to begin. Mm -hmm. It was a hypothesis. My sister and I moved here. Well, my whole family moved here. And my sister and I... I was just saying, that's pretty rebellious. Yeah, we were like, Mom, Dad, we're Peace. done. We're done with Pakistan. We're moving. We, my whole family moved here in 2003, in November, and I was 11 at the time, 11 and a half, and my sister was eight. Wait, I thought people stopped saying half at 10. I said nine and a half, and then so I that's turned 10. that's your theory? That is my theory. I thought we were talking one. about my theory Well, right you know, I, interviewer to interviewer, like, flipped it back, so okay. Anyway, so you were 11 and a half, which I've never heard anybody say. Yeah, I was 11 and a half, because for the longest time, I was rounding up and saying I was 12. Okay. And my family took issue with this, and they were like, oh. you have been lying. Or, like, have you, like, do you have memory loss? Like, you were 11, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was calculating my age. Basically, there was an article about me, and they got my age wrong, and I was like, why did they get this wrong? Like, I kept saying I'm, you know, 27 at the time, 28 right. now. 
And I, I, my dad was reading and he's like, it's because you say you're 12 when you move here and they're calculating the number oh, of years. Right. And so it doesn't make sense that you're, you know, 27. It's, it makes sense that you're like 26 or whatever. Right. So anyway, so now I there make was no a year point. Zero. Yeah, I make yeah. a point. Right. That you were 11, 11 and a half. And a half. So exactly. that's your compromise with your family. Because yes. they kept saying you were 11, you were saying you were 12. So you know what? Uh, yeah, and I wasn't 11. You didn't. You were. <laughs> that's really funny because 11 and a half is very much in the realm of 11. Yeah. But according to, I don't know, in Pakistan, but in India, they measure the Independence Day. Like they say it's the 70th year or whatever, and it's really the 69th. They're, but when going to the 70th. Really? They screw, yeah. They, they're like, oh, it's the... Independence is what, 1947? Yeah. Right, 14th and 15th. Don't ask me to do math. Okay, my dad will do it yeah, in Hindi. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's what it is. It, they add a year. So, But that's why Indians always say, or South Asians always say. Because you're going say, into yeah. whatever year. Oh, I Which hate kills that. you when you're single because parents yeah. will always be like, you are 27. And it's convenient for them to yeah. say that because you're still 26. Yeah, but, but you're in them. your 27th year. But if you want to go drive and you're 15, they're not going to be like, well, you're 16. Yeah. That should work. Or you want booze. You can't be right. like, oh, well. Well, I'm 20, 20 and a half. And I'm in my 21st year. In my 21st you know? year. I'm in my 20s. Yeah, I have the life experience necessary Close for enough. this. Close enough. Yeah. I think that 21 is the drinking age because that's when we stop growing. Physically. Think we stop growing Physically. at 21? That's what they say on average. Well, the last people stop growing at 21. Aren't there guys who like just get way taller at 21 or whatever? I don't think after 21. Really? I think that's it. That's the that's it. And then mentally, men you in stop my life are at, holding out hopes. So. Yeah, right. I don't know why there's 20 what, year old five, men in my life. You're what five seven? Five, I know. I'm five four. Really? Barely five, what, did you three, have three heels? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say because yeah, you seem no. tall. No. But that's just your personality. <laughs> it is. When I get off stage, people are like, "You're so short. You yeah. seem so." It's shocking. It's shocking. Yeah. It's underwhelming. People <laughs> are just like, I thought you'd be taller. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, that a lot of men I see on TV are actually much shorter mm -hmm. than you, one, than the average man, I mm -hmm. think, in America, mm -hmm. and also than they look on TV. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is that correlated? Like, is that, are men who are shorter, more are they more to apt to be on TV? Like, like horse jockeys. <laughs> They're all short. They have to be short. Oh, but they physically have to be they short. They have to be short, yeah. yeah. Actors don't have to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if they read better on camera. Yeah. Did you watch Halt and Catch Fire? No. So one of the actors in that show is, like, highly recommend, by the way, beautiful, beautiful okay. TV show. But one of the actors in it is like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, okay. And he looks absurd. And maybe it's because everyone else is like is normal short? average height or like normal like actor height. A giant. But he just looks too long in some of the shots. Yeah. When he's like sitting on his bed, for example, and his torso just like keeps going. Right. Like that's a very attractive height in real life. Right. right? But like on TV, I'm like. Ugh. I like how you said he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, just like your 11 yeah. and a half thing. Like yeah. you like to go right in the middle. You like to. Like, I just you don't, don't know commit. for sure. I yeah, don't you don't know. have for sure. That, that's fair. Six four six. I know like that. I know that. the limits of my knowledge. You know. Oh, that's a good thing to know. Yeah. Do you feel like you do know that? Yeah, I think I'm pretty intellectually humble. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good quality to have. Yeah. Like you know what you don't know. Yeah. So if somebody says something you don't get the reference, you'll just say I don't know what that is. I've had to learn it. I've had to okay. learn that because I think when I moved here as an immigrant, there was a sense of like, oh, I'm not going to get the joke, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to miss out. I'm not going to understand, and so. Or, like, I don't know how, like, a table is set, 
the right way. Mm -hmm. So I would be watching other people and like, you know, imitating. Most people still don't know that. I, I just learned yesterday. You learned how, like the 12 place the setting kind of thing? The actual proper way, maybe not yesterday, maybe two days ago. Oh, okay. My friend was asking me to help set the table and okay. I just was like, I, you know, I'm gonna admit. I'm like, gonna YouTube it. I don't know how to do this, can okay. you tell me? Okay. And she was like, yeah, like this fork here, this there, and like this is how you put the plates and the spoon goes on top and whatever. But I think all of it goes back to being an immigrant. And for the longest time, I was actually just trying to fit in and understand mm -hmm. sure. and imitate. And, you know, you become kind of a social chameleon where you're like, okay, yeah, I don't know that Justin Timberlake song, but like I can lip sync it really well. Sure. Or I can laugh at that joke that I have no idea what that referenced. And could you fake laughs that people thought you were real laughing? Yeah. That's pretty difficult to do. Yeah. You felt like you had to sort of fake it till you make it kind of thing. I think I had to unlearn it. So there was a very conscious realization that I'm getting really good at lying. Okay. And I need to stop. Okay. Like, this is not the way to live. I'm not happy. Okay. You know? Because it went from, like, faking, like, little things to, right. like, full-on just, like, pr pretending. Okay. Things that I should not have been pretending, you know? That's ironic because I feel like you're a whole – one of your – strands of your personality is identity. That's mm -hmm. a big thing. Mm -hmm. So did you have a crisis where you realized that and you're like, I'm living a lie or like 20 of them? Kind of. I mean, I think if you can call, you know, whatever happens at like 22 or 21 a crisis. I'm like, glad you have that sort of humility about, yeah. yeah, they used to call this quarter life crisis. Yeah, it's too early to be it's having too a, early. a life crisis. Yeah, a friend of mine in college, he said, I just have all these demons, man. And I'm like, I just think you're a little young to have this many demons. Yeah. You when can I, have some. Yeah, you but that, like demons. all the demons, yeah. you cannot be he was just doing it to be, be like hard. And you can tell. Yeah. You can tell people who are like pretending to have demons versus they actually mm -hmm. have real demons. People who have like lived through adversity, I think right. it like, it starts to alter the way you behave. They, yeah, they carry you it. Know, yeah. Yeah. They, you could sort Physically of feel almost, it. Yeah. 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 Would you say you've lived through a lot of adversity? That's one of the questions I like to ask people. Really? Yeah, that's funny. I actually haven't asked it yet, so you'll yeah. be the first one. The way I ask it is... Do you, what's the craziest thing you've seen? Mm -hmm. And the unpacking of that question is like, do you feel like you've seen some shit? Because mm. I don't feel like I'm one of those people. I feel like I'm pretty sheltered. I haven't really seen that many crazy things in my life. Yeah, I've traveled a lot, but I don't think I'm super experienced or exposed to. When people, the way they came up, mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, you saw a lot yeah. or went through a lot. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I did. Yeah. Do you? <clears throat> um, yeah, I would say so. Mm -hmm. I would say so. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, like, even just moving here from another country, yeah. right? And, like, growing up in Pakistan, like, this is going to get really dark really quickly, right, but hey, I feel like there's a lot of, like, just sexual assault and sexual repression that is happening at a very, very basic level in, like, normal society. So, like, women getting groped or, like, little children getting groped or whatever by, like, the ice cream man, like... Those things are pretty common and you, it becomes so normalized that you right. just learn how to avoid it, right? And you right. learn how to read people in a certain way. But those aren't right. things that you should have to learn or sure. know at all. So I think even starting at that age and like living in a society, growing up upper middle class and pretty sheltered in Pakistan and still being aware of my surroundings in that way. I think that was difficult and trauma. I mean, that's some shit that qualifies. Yeah, I would shit. say so. Is it yeah. was it that you couldn't go walking by yourself at night, or you shouldn't? I mean, I or... definitely could not at eleven okay. and a half. Well, not eleven and a half, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that's probably. Well, wait, but you've gone no. back to visit only once. Okay, in two thousand eight. Okay, 
It's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been. I. I. That's one of my goals in the next year is okay. to go back for a longer trip and and kind of just spend some time in Pakistan. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'm trying to do the math. How old you were? When I was in 2008. Yeah. Somewhere around 16. And a half. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around that. So that's cool. Okay. And you went yeah. back. And you still felt like you couldn't go walk around by yourself? No. I mean, I, I did walk around by myself a little bit more during the daytime, but okay. I definitely had friends around and family friends around. I was staying with a family friend. Mm-hmm. And I think as a woman, you, like you cover up a little bit, you know, right. you can't like wear short. I couldn't really wear what I'm wearing right now either. Anywhere in Pakistan? In the city, in the streets. Like sure. if you're like out in like whatever you call downtown mm-hmm. um, or like if you're like in a taxi or whatever, you don't want to dress a certain way. But no, of course, people's houses and like okay. if you're at a restaurant, you can wear whatever. Sure. If you're driving somewhere in your own car, you have nothing to worry about. Okay. I mean, Pakistan is pretty liberal, you know? Yeah. I think it's becoming more and more conservative over time, but traditionally it has been a liberal kind of secular country, not very religious and it's and it's like day to day, which is so ironic. Yeah. Just the way that India and Pakistan were created, you would yeah. think that they would have gone like super one which they like to your point they kind yeah. of are now. Yeah. But they weren't historically. I think that's been a re- that's bit I mean that's like some geopolitical stuff. Yeah. I think yeah, like I think that's like more post 9-11 mm-hmm. and like, you know, there was Zial Haq who was the military dictator who took over from Bhutto and like policies that he enacted really moved the country towards a more conservative direction. He was right before Musharraf? He was not right before Musharraf. He was in like the 70s and 80s. Oh, way yeah. back. Way back. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because Bhutto was like kind of taking the country yeah, towards right. a very liberal direction sure. and super like socialism <clears throat> and... You know, really, it was super secular, not very religious. And I think Zial Huck took, uh, took power and he started to require more policies that are similar to like policies in Iran, you know? Oh, right. Like okay. public coverings for women right. and certain expectations. And just like when you're in power, you get to dictate the culture to some extent. Oh, of course. I mean, and, even here. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah. you're on TV more than anyone else. Well, yeah. with Bhutto and people like that, that's what always shocked me. And I, I did a whole solo show about politics. And it was yeah. like the fact that Pakistan had a woman leader so long ago in the United yeah. States still hasn't. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've never been able to explain that. I mean, I can't either. I think about it all the time. I was thinking about this. I was traveling around the whole country over the last two months. This country? The United States, yeah. yes. Okay. Right. And we drove through places like Tennessee and North Carolina and Montana and spent some time there my producer and I, and I just, I felt so at home with so many different kinds of people. And I was kind of surprised. I was like, what is it about our country that makes it hard for us to elect a woman? And I think it's because only a very certain kind of woman has run for office or Mm. has been given permission to run for office. Mm. Whereas like when it comes to men, we've had more populist candidates, Mm. you know, or like more like middle-class candidates, like the women who have been in power in American politics have been highly educated. They're really top shelf. Yeah, they're very refined. And I think that, like, I don't know if that aesthetic speaks to the whole country. And I don't know if maybe that's been the issue. I mean, I think sexism is to blame largely, but... Well, that's obvious. Yeah. But I think that... Well, and also the president of the United States 
occupies four different roles. Like yeah. he, he's the head of state, the head of government, blah, blah, blah. So in other countries, sometimes you can be the head of a party and that party comes to power and then you just happen to be now the leader of the party, yeah. the leader of the country. Whereas yeah. in the United States, you're directly elected by the people. So it's yeah. much harder. The U.S. presidency as a head of state and, and not just a figurehead is one of the most powerful positions in the world, not yeah. just because it's the United States, but of yeah. that country. So I think well, that's part of it. Well, and also that question of that, like you're also commander in chief, right? right? That's I think that exactly complicates right. things a lot because exactly I think there's right. this idea that in order to be commander in chief, you must be physically mm-hmm. strong. And I think as a woman, at least in this country, you're assumed to be physically not strong enough. Mm-hmm. So I think that all plays into the sexism part of sure. it. But I do think aesthetic, I was surprised by it. And I didn't have this realization until I was traveling hmm. that aesthetic actually plays into it. And the women who are making it in politics are making it through very traditional establishment channels. And I think we haven't seen like a George Bush candidate as a woman. Well, Sarah Palin, she was like a folksy, I'm a hockey mom from Alaska and lipstick, yeah, full, full, too full whatever. <laughs> yeah, she was like the Trump before Trump was Trump. I mean, because yeah. she was that like, that. But you're right, she was com- uh, coming up as a VP. She wasn't yeah. running as like a presidential candidate at the time where she had yeah. her moment. Well, and I think that she didn't have enough credibility either, right? Because mm-hmm. she's, I would say she's one of the reasons like that John McCain's campaign was signed. Oh, totally. I yeah. lost all respect for him when he picked her as his VP. And George W. Bush was dumb for a smart person. Sarah Palin's dumb for a dumb person. I would agree. That's the difference. I would agree. Because with George Bush, yeah. you're like, wow, you should know that. But, yeah. but like, do I know that? But like, she didn't know like how many states there were. Yeah. And you're kind of like, wow. Yeah. Like, and you have comments like, I can see Russia from my house or whatever, right? Like, that's like, okay, well, like, I don't know if I can see you in one of the most powerful offices in the land. Right. Like, I can't trust you. No, you don't know anything. Yeah. I always felt like she was running for, not actually for office, but for fame. Oh, yeah, totally. Just yeah. to get on TV. Yeah. And then be able to, like, write a book and do a tour. Or at least read a book. Off of it. <laughs> Hopefully read the book she wrote. Yeah, I don't think she can. Hide someone else around That's me. the one who know. needs a team of writers. There yeah. you go. She yeah. can just say stuff and someone could write it down. Completely differently than what she said. One hundred percent. It would yeah. not be like, oh, I didn't. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. Well, she'd probably think she did. You know. She yeah, you could Jedi mind trick that probably yeah. pretty easily. That that's true. That's a really interesting observation. That, yeah, you're right. There's there's this been, and that is playing into the sexism. It's like, oh, we can't put a woman out there unless she's this refined top shelf sort of whatever. Whereas any man could just run, and that's the sexism, right? That's yeah. just the built-in. I yeah. hadn't thought of that. That's, well, hmm. and and if you look at it, like even for a Trump type of candidate to come through. For a man who's that, like, kind of all over the place, for lack of a better word, I think it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time for someone like that without any, like, political background, without the proper endorsements and whatnot. Do you know what it is? What? So he is... (laughs) The the debate about Trump, whether he's smart or dumb and, and all yeah. that stuff, I, I think he's just pure id. I don't think there mm. is the brain part of it. It's just, the, it's just he's pure id. I do think that strategically he waited for America to get trashy enough to be able to run. Like he's been wanting to run since the 80s. And I think he was looking at the de- defense mm. just going, not this one, not this one, not this one. And then finally you're like, wow, we are these people We're are here. really dumb. And you're, he's the Joker, right? So he looked at Gotham and he was just like, all right, you know, yeah, now. And I, I think don't know. He, I, think I don't that's think what that's what it was. No? I don't think that's what it was. I think I think people were never stupid enough. I think people still are not that stupid. Mm. This is my hot take, having traveled Let's the country. Have it. No, please. But I think that what, what happened is he was waiting for people to feel isolated enough and angry mm. enough and feel like, 
you know, these immigrants are coming and like taking everything from them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that he tapped into that anger. And when people are that angry, what appeals to them is not refined language. You know, it's not education and credibility. It's saying things in really simple terms, <laughs> saying things that we're all thinking, right? Right, right. I mean, not we, but like right. they well, are Well, I mean, I'm thinking. mad at you. You have a podcast before <laughs> I do, and I was born and raised here, so... <laughs> Yeah, these immigrants have taken our jobs. I know, and I, I have a whole new goal where I'm like, I think immigrants should be allowed to run for president. I think natural oh, that's citizens should be allowed to run for president. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't I know how I feel about that. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Well, let me present a scenario. Let's have it, yeah. Yeah, if, if someone who was born in, I don't know, Canada, right, mm-hmm. or Japan or like whatever. Like Ted Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ted Cruz. And then McCain was born in, like, not Japan, but Philippines, but somewhere, I think. Yeah, yeah, somewhere overseas. Yeah. And so let's say someone is born somewhere else and um, maybe both their parents are not citizens, right? Because that's the, you're automatically a citizen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They come here at the age of one or 0.5 and they, six months old. Nice. And they become a naturalized citizen. Uh-huh. And they live here their entire life. Okay. 40 years. But that's not what you're talking about. Years. You're talking about someone like you running for president, not a that too, old. that too. But let's let's okay. just t- entertain that. Sure, let's scenario, start with the extreme right? scenario. Sure. Do you really think that that person is less qualified to run for president than someone who was born in the U.S., moved somewhere else at a formative age, comes back to the U.S., lives here only for fourteen years, the mm-hmm. minimum the qualification minimum, yeah. criteria, mm-hmm. and then runs for office? No, I don't think that because I'm not going to hit you with semantics. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, you could drink some. You know, some fifteen-year-olds are probably ready to drink, and some. 40-year-olds probably are not ready to drink. They never should, but we, you know, got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Yeah. So I'm not going to hit you with that argument. I, I'd have to think about it. I mean, I think it's more, yeah, because in that case, a person has experience. So someone like you, yeah. you're old enough to have remembered Pakistan, so you're bringing that to the table, so to speak, because you have that cut off. You mean I, all my ISIS education? <laughs> all the, yeah, all the madrasa education, like yeah. integrate Sharia law, yeah. uh, which I, I'm I, bringing the Sharia law. Yeah, that's guys, what I think. By that, myself. By, yeah. by yourself. Like that's a, that's a big load to carry. That, yeah. That's hard. Good for you. That, that's really <laughs> impressive. What do you see as your role in the South Asian community? I think to say things that other people won't say. Okay. And I think as a result, opening doors for others behind me who also identify as South Asian. I think as an example, like, I kind of have like, I don't know if you ever felt this way, but there's like people who are passably, not passable, but they're like agreeable or what's the right word? It's like palatable. Affable? Palatable. Palatable. You're a palatable. Whoa, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very different from congenial. Yeah. You're not Mm -hmm. congenial, but you're palatable. You're You're compromising. Yeah. You're a brown pill they can swallow. Right. Right. And so... You then become the person who's able to be in rooms that other brown people aren't able to be in. Mm -hmm. And I think there's really two ways that that can go. You can either be in that room and acquiesce and be agreeable Mm -hmm. and close the door behind you. Or you can not necessarily make things uncomfortable, but with tact say things that someone else wouldn't say. Mm -hmm. And as a result, open the door behind you. So use that position of power knowing that you're already in the room and they need you. That's why you're in the room. So you actually have way more power than you ever... They're not doing you a favor by opening the door for you. Right. Yeah. Jane Bryan Quinn wrote a book called Making the Most of Your Money. And the thing that resonated with me from that book that she wrote was when you go to the bank, Mm -hmm. you can negotiate. Don't be Mm -hmm. intimidated by these walls and these people. Like, you can Mm -hmm. negotiate the rate. Everything is negotiable. That's your point about privilege is you Mm -hmm. walk in the room like you are meant to be there. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to be a dick. But yeah, but you're you're in the room. Yeah. 
You wouldn't have been there if you weren't meant to be there. That is well said. We got to play ping pong. Okay. You want to play ping pong? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let, let's do it. Okay. So, <clears throat> rapid fire round over ping pong. <laughs> so, in what ways are you tough to live with? Like someone who has lived with you, a roommate, whatever else, to be like, wow, that Misha. Like, what is it they would complain about, you think? Oh, God. Sometimes I listen to the same song over and over and over and over again. Interesting. Like on repeat for days. With, like, give me an example of a song that was like that. So you know that song New Mexico by Bobby Charles? Yeah. So I've been listening to that song nonstop for the last like two weeks. So just not even on headphones. You just will be like, you know what? Well, I mean, I have nice speakers in my house because okay. I make podcasts. Well, that does make like, sense. <laughs> I guess you would know sound. Yeah. So I, I listen to it like on my speakers. That makes sense. So... Essential voices, people that you read, listen to, you go, man, I cannot miss this person every week or a column you read. Mm -hmm. Nobody that I revere that much that I would always go back to them. Okay. And I like, I kind of like that about myself. Okay. Where like, no one is so infallible that I'll be like, oh, your opinion is the opinion I trust. Okay. I am reading right now Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals. Oh, yeah. And it's really, I'm kind of like obsessed. It's so interesting. Have you read it? I have not, no. It's like, I think it's the book that influenced Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. And it's like painted by the right as like, oh, rules for radicals, like revolution, yeah. communism. Yeah. But it's kind of about like a guidebook for revolution that is not leading straight to communism. Right. Because a lot of those guidebooks have been written by right. people who espouse communist philosophy, right? right? So what does it look like to have a revolution that doesn't exist within that framework? That's really cool. So like yeah. Bernie Sanders type stuff? Dev, a yeah. lot of like organizers these days like read it. Do you feel a certain way as you move through the world? Like is there a trait that you Yeah, you're I not feel like a six foot on? five white man. That's that's how do, and I, how does I have that, that feel? entitlement. It, yeah, it feels it, amazing. Maybe you do feel that way. I do. I don't do know. Do I feel maybe that way you to you? I mean, you have a very big personality. Oh, thank you. You're very much like non-apologetic. Like here I am. I don't have an essential voice that I have to read every week. Maybe that. You know. I really, honestly, feel that way. I feel like I'm yeah. a white dude, and I think it didn't hit me until, like, I was much older, and I was like, wait, I, I'm not asking for more pay for right. a job because. That's what someone told me to do. It's because I do think I deserve double what you offered. Right. You know? Right. And it's not scary because I'm like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to say no? Sure. But I don't know. I think part of it came from my dad because I think he raised me to have that sense. He was like, think about why like white men like drive big trucks because they think that they deserve to occupy that much space on the road. And he's like, why can't you drive a big truck? Not like, why can't you drive a big truck? But like, right. why not? You know? Right. So do you drive a big truck? No. No, we sent an Uber I drive a little Subaru. <laughs> do you want to drive a big truck? Or do you feel like you don't Sometimes, need to? Sometimes, but I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I'm balancing that idea mm -hmm. of like that entitlement of like a six foot five white man named Chad with this idea that privilege is occupying more space than is sure. allotted for one person reasonably. You know? Oh, that is a good definition of privilege. Right? Did it myself. Did, was it I you or your executive that was, that producer? Was, that, I came up with this Say one, that again. Me. Privilege is occupying more space than is reasonably allotted for one person. It's like a rocket drop. drop. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> that way, yeah, we'll have to end with that. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. wow, that is, that's really good. Why does that resonate with you? Oh, 
I like definitions. I like when people can say something succinctly and say, yeah. this is this. I like dichotomies when people go, well, to do this is this and to do that is that. Yeah. And so, but you laid it out what privilege really is. I'll have to sleep on that, but that sounds right. Think about it, right? Like you have like someone sitting on a train that's like manspreading. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I sit. Or someone who is, I don't know, driving on the road, like in a giant car. Like right. that feels unreasonable. Yeah. But then that obviously can be applied to like sure. societal things too, where someone is trying to regulate like, I don't know what you can do with your body or whatever. It's like, well, that's not reasonable. Yeah. Space to be occupied by your opinion, by one person's opinion. Do you have a mission? Yes. Essentially, it came from like wanting to make people feel something. But I think my favorite thing to feel is awe. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make people feel awe. Not forcibly. Like awful or awesome? No, like awe. Just awe. <laughs> <laughs> could be awful too, but yeah, hopefully not. From awful to awesome <laughs> with Misha Youssef. That would be the name of your next podcast. Which South who? Asian project has not happened yet that should happen? Oh my gosh, so like many. so many. So many. But what comes to mind? I think the thing that comes to mind is like, we're not tapping into our own literature and our own mm. like wells of cultural inspiration to make stuff. We're just making this like immigrant one-on-one story over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of tired of that, you know? Sure. Like I don't, like I came here from Pakistan and blah, blah, blah. But like, okay, we know there's a lot of us who are new immigrants, but what about an animated series that is like rooted in one of our like folk tales? Sure. Like, that. Like, like something called, like, Aladdin or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, made by us. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, oh, I right. I thought I could maybe bounce no, I it hear off you. the wall. I, I, I totally feel you. That, so, like, dipping back into the well. Yeah. What would it mean to pull a Misha? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe it goes back to that, like, the six-foot-five white man guy to, like, someone's, like, or honestly, I compliment myself a lot. You compliment yourself a lot? Yeah. Like a, with an I, not an E. Like you mean like you give yourself, you give, I give yourself big compliments. Up. If I'm not getting enough compliments in a situation, I'll just start to... <laughs> You'd be like, you know what? Y'all missed this. And that that was pretty dope. What yeah. I just like, the, yeah. like that kind of thing. Like, guys, I look so hot today. Yeah, like, like nobody said yeah, I look y'all, good. Yeah, why y'all sleeping on this? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that way as a comedian. Sometimes I'll say that to the crowd. I'm like, if I'm, I'm not getting what I feel like I should get, I'm like... Like a laugh? Yeah, I'm just going, I'm killing, you're bombing. You guys are bombing. You should be laughing. What is wrong with you? This is hilarious. What do you, what, what's the reaction you get when you do that? Then people laugh because that's a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> I mean, that's just what stand-up. It's well, either- it's also self-aware, which I think is like, ultimately gets you back connecting with them, right? I completely agree. I think it all comes back to self-awareness. I you think, think that? Oh, yeah, I think people who have, there was a comedian named Dom Herrera, and he did something called Command Performance. And the description of it, not like podcast on Misha Youssef's Instagram, (laughs) on the cable news was, or the description was, this set is about people who have no concept of themselves. Mm, That is hilarious. People who have no concept of themselves is is hilarious. What's the least self-aware thing you've ever witnessed? Myself do or someone else do? Someone else. What's yours? Do you have an answer to that? Are you trying to flip it back on me? Yeah, well, I don't have an immediate answer. So yeah, I, figured... I do. I do. I, I used to live with somebody who used to open up cabinets and doors in the house and never close them. That's a bizarre... I, I, would, I would go closing doors after him. Literally. 
which is so weird because you're such a door opener for so many people. That that had to feel totally backwards Responsible for, for you. closing doors that because is... you don't want anyone to hit their head on the yeah. door. Folks, Misha Youssef, you have been a, an absolute pleasure to talk to. Thank so, you, Rajiv. Thank you for having me. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. Now, here's a preview of our next episode. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.